In Gallup's report titled The State of the American Manager, they determined that employees who work for female managers in the U.S. are actually more engaged, on average, than those who work for a male manager. However, only 33% of working Americans say they currently have a female boss. Today on the Champion Forum podcast, we break down the female dynamic of leadership. This is the Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Ashley McReynolds is the Chief Growth and Business Officer at Synac, the leading crowdsourced security company. Synac just received its Series D funding, taking its valuation to $500 million. Synac is revolutionizing cybersecurity by combining human intelligence and artificial intelligence to create scalable, effective security solutions. Ashling is passionate about increasing representation for women and serves as a prime example for many. She was named on the industry wired list as top revolutionary women in security for 2019. Ashling, welcome to the Champion Forum podcast. Jeff, it's it's genuinely fun to be here. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you. When I was presented with the opportunity to have you on the show, I took a look at your resume, some of your background, and I knew immediately that you would bring, bring some tremendous value to our listeners. And I was recently made aware by my team that the majority of our listeners of this podcast are female leaders. Also, the majority of the clients in my business, my consulting business that I offer executive coaching to, are also female leaders. And this subject of being a female leader is coming up more and more in my sphere. So if this doesn't speak to anybody else today, Ashling, it's going to teach me a lot. And I know you've clearly had your own success and you're a big advocate of female leadership. So I'm looking forward to diving into that today, learning more about your perspective. And clearly with your resume, you know, since graduating from Duke University, you've earned your way to the C-suite. So maybe give me, give our listeners an overview of your career journey and and how you landed where you are now in the C-suite. I'm sure they didn't just place you on top of the mountain. There was 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 some climbing, right? (laughs) Yeah, magic, right? It just all happened. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, No, it didn't all happen. So um, Jeff, it's really fun. It's a topic that, you know, it's interesting. Every time I get an opportunity to talk about it, I feel like it makes me dig a little deeper and makes me more aware. So I actually really now enjoy it. But um, let me let me answer your question. So I actually grew up in Ireland. So I am. um, So I'm not only a woman, I'm an immigrant. And so I think what helped me in my journey to a great extent was almost my naivety at first. I didn't know I couldn't. And I know that's something that's very hard to emulate to fake, if you will, Mm -hmm. but it was actually really critical. It's something that we can learn from. You know, for me, there was a couple of factors. Um, I had to succeed. I came to this country on an athletic scholarship. Uh, I had never, you know, I'd never flown before. I had never been out um, out of Ireland. And so for me, I didn't have a network. 
So I almost had no alternative, right? So I had to jump in. I also, growing up, you know, times were tough in Ireland when I was growing up. I didn't know one woman other than a teacher who worked out of the home. Hmm. And most of the teachers were nuns. So I really <laughs> didn't have examples of career. But I had great examples of integrity and, and authenticity and what's real in life. I think those factors helped me enormously. And again, goes back to those women were very strong, very powerful, and had a lot of conviction, hmm. not in a career. That, you know, I had no idea what a glass ceiling was or what a startup was or any of those things. Sure. That was all on the journey ahead. Um, but I think the grounding that I had really helped me. And I, I guess what I, I like to think is that people should go back to that. People should realize they have it kind of inside of them. Yeah. And as you face a lot of what came and we can get into all of the years between then, I feel like I was able to, sometimes better than men, actually really hold on to what I had inside. I remember one time an executive from Silicon Valley who, a male who was very supportive of me, he, he looked at me and he said, you have so much inner confidence. Hmm. I think that was really important. It's so important. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I come from pretty humble beginnings and I can speak for myself that I feel like although the situation wasn't ideal, it gave me a little bit of an edge. So here you are uh, an immigrant. Uh, you, you have a good foundation. You've had you had strong women around you. You knew what that looked like, but you were about to push off into an area that you haven't been or the people around you haven't been. So you find yourself at Duke University. Did you see yourself then where you are today? Or I guess a better way to ask it is, did you believe there was a glass ceiling to overcome in your career progression? You know, it, it was very much one day at a time a little bit back then. And so I'm not sure that I had a 20 year or 30 year plan. I think I had a, a survival plan at first and then I mm -hmm. was always able to focus on the next thing. And I think that's healthy. I do think we need to know it, it, in general the direction we're going. I knew I wanted to be great at whatever I did. I knew I wanted a family. I certainly wasn't going to compromise some of my own values for that. Um, but I didn't, I don't think you can map it out to specific, I'll do this and this and this. You know, right. I, I really had to jump in and be great at it and then take the next step. Um, and so, no, I had no idea. I had no idea I would end up in Silicon Valley. I had no, I really thought I was coming to America just to get the education and go back. And then I thought, well, I'll get a little bit of experience and then I'll go back. And, uh, you know, when I, my mother had told me, don't fall in love, whatever you do. <laughs> but the one thing I've ever, uh, you know, gone against her on. <laughs> and, <laughs> the one piece of information, uh, actually, right? Yes, I couldn't do it. I tried. I really tried. <laughs> um, this one came out of the blue and surprised me. And, um, and you know, he really wanted to. So he wanted to uh, go to Stanford for his MBA after I had finished at Duke. And so, uh, you know, we kind of got in the car and packed everything up and drove west. Uh, so there wasn't a huge plan other than I think he and I both had a, whatever we do, be great at it and attack it. Yeah, um, I love it. I love it. It's hard though, arriving in Silicon Valley uh, without a technical degree and having zero network. Yeah. Was yeah. Challenging. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's going to speak to a lot of our listeners as well, especially those starting out in their career or their pursuit to leadership. Uh, like you said, you're sitting there at Duke University. You weren't thinking hey, I'm going to be a C-suite executive leader someday. 
you were thinking, uh, how am I, how am I going to get through this moment, this time in my life? You know, this next question that I have that, and I've put a lot of thought into some of these questions because they keep coming up to me as a coach. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of data here, uh, prior to giving you this question, but this, this blew my mind. There was a new analysis that came out from Pew Research that said about 42% of working women in the United States say that they have faced discrimination on the job because of their gender. Uh, the article goes on to say that their experiences ranged from everything from earning less than their male counterparts for doing the same job to being passed over for uh, promotions or important assignments. Coming from your perspective, Ashling, have you experienced gender discrimination in your career and how did you handle it and what advice would you give to both our male and female listeners to avoid this that's a little question huh joe oh my oh my coffee going on right the data is unbelievable look the facts are the facts are just the facts they're absolutely true and i totally believe them if anything they may be even understated right sure um so of course yes have i face discrimination, absolutely. But we have to unpack it a little bit. So bear with me while I unpack it. it a few years ago, uh, I was giving a lecture at Notre Dame's Esteem, which is a technical master's program. And I was giving a lecture to the students and they asked me if I could address the issue of, of gender issues in Silicon Valley, because it was, there was a lot of talk at the time about them. And uh, it was interesting. My first reaction, I was about 40, my first reaction was there isn't any. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, what? There's got, there is, I know there is. And it, I, I really thought my reaction was so strange. And so I decided to actually do a survey of a lot of my female friends who had, for the most part, been successful, but to varying degrees in their, in their careers. So I just emailed people and people were great and they responded, uh, lots of them responded. And what I found is the more senior people were, the more likely they were to almost have a similar reaction to what I did. There isn't any. And then yet when they went into answering questions, they were clearly talking about situations where there had been. So the first thing I realized is that, and it's good, but it also does an injustice to those coming behind us. You need to put on your blinders a little bit, almost out of having to. You can't build your career, you know, looking around and thinking I'm being discriminated against. You just go. And so to an extent, I was kind of lying to myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw this with some of the others too. Um, there had been, but of course, some of the most senior women had broken through it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Tended, a little bit our reaction was it wasn't there because we were able to break through whatever factors had been there. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the first thing. The second thing, the data that I got that was really interesting was people really struggle with people who are different. And so what I found was that there is absolutely gender discrimination. Um, here in Silicon Valley, you definitely have um, age discrimination, mm-hmm. without a doubt, probably worse than anywhere else, there's mm-hmm. age discrimination. And there was an interesting one that came out and it, there's in, an intelligence discrimination on EQ and IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, traditionally, you get a founder of a company, you know, and they're in their 20s and they come out and found it and they're a white male uh, they're probably going to hire a lot of white males around them because they're comfortable. Yeah. And I would joke with them as far as to say they have no social life and very few social skills, some of these guys. And so <laughs> sometimes they're not doing it out of discrimination as much as they're doing it out of 
uh, what's comfortable. Yeah, right. And so, and then unfortunately, you tend to get these these kind of groups where you suddenly have become all of one thing, very right. homogenous, and you've and you've left out diversity. And, and I'm sorry, you'll see that at a Starbucks. You go to a local Starbucks, and you see that they'll there'll be you know someone of a def, of a demographic, and then everyone's of that demographic. Because I think again, hiring managers get comfortable hiring. Sure. They're hiring. So when I'm speaking at programs like in Notre Dame or at Duke, I will say, you know, challenge yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Challenge yourself because actually it's not only because we should and we should be inclusive, but in my experience, it's because it actually is going to make you a lot better at your job. Absolutely. It's going to by bringing in people who are different. So if you're old, bring in young people. You know, you mentioned at the very beginning, um, the person on my team that got us together is yeah. someone who graduated a year ago or two years ago now. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. Yeah. And I learn from her. Sure. All the time. Yeah. And so do it because, you know, so what, you know, to, to so I kind of jumped to the advice component. Um, but yes, of course. So if I go back and roll it back, Jeff, yeah, I went through all of that. Some of it was completely people who absolutely discriminate against women. Yeah. Out of doubt. Um, and you're also going to meet people, though, that it's a little bit more ignorance. And th- that you can educate a little bit. That you can help them. Um, you know, as it turned out when I joined Sun Microsystems and at the time, you know, Sun was the company I wanted to work with in the Valley and they made it very hard to get in the door because um, I wasn't an engineer. I didn't have a technical background and I got the door slammed in my face at first. <laughs> I told people, never get a job here. And that was a red flag to a, a bull. But, but I, uh, you know, when I did get in, it turned out I was pregnant by the time I got in. My husband was at business school. So I was mm. the, I was the benefits and the, and the income. Sure. In the family. So a lot of pressure. And when I got offered the job, I said, just so you guys know, and this was many years ago, I said, I'm pregnant. And if you want to rescind the offer, you can. Wow. Now, clearly, I know, crazy mindset, it's a, you know, and I know legally, I know a lot more today. I'm not sure. Right. I know. I'm not sure you do things differently because I actually wanted to be in an environment where, where I was going to be able to thrive. I didn't want to go into an environment that was going to be hostile. And the gentleman who was interviewing me and, and then hired me said, absolutely no problem. I mean, he was very gracious. That's good. Yes. A year later, though, he did admit to me that he went running to his boss's I'll office. I'll bet he did. Said, oh, my God. I've just <laughs> of um, But he said to me, he brought it back up because he said, you really taught me how stupid it would have been for me to not hire you. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledged if he had known in the very beginning, he might have found all sorts of reasons in his own sure. head to hire me. He might never have admitted to himself it was that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, he realized it was a blip along the way. He realized right. he had ended up hiring a great person. That's one of those things, I think, that's where you can educate someone. So true. It's important to engage. And so, you know, what do you do about it? If there's truly someone in front of you that you think is just discriminating, don't screw yourself. <laughs> Don't like jump out, <laughs> but start planning how you get out. I do think some people end up hurting themselves by taking a very strong stance very quickly, which we all have a tendency to want to do, but they end up getting hurt in their career a little bit. Mm-hmm. Start looking at who else is around you, who you can network to, yeah. 
keep yeah. yourself in mind. You can put up with things for, you know, if they're too bad, you can't, of course. But if it's where he chooses the guy on the team instead of you, you know, try to show your brilliance. And if your brilliance isn't going to work, find it, find another route. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. I, you know, even in my own life, I didn't have a college degree and I felt like that was holding me back. And I would always say to myself, you know, are they more interested in somebody that can get the job done or a piece of paper? Um, and, and I'm thinking, you know, even as you're talking, I'm thinking about the females that I've hired along the way and, you know, in full transparency and being vulnerable in this discussion, there have been times that I would say to myself, man, you know, depending on what their, their personal life is going to be like, I, I could lose this person for three years of their career on maternity leave and all of this. But you know what I have found out is that the, the payoff has typically so far outweighed anything of that time off. Adversely, I can tell you that I've hired men who never missed a day of work and didn't do much. And so I think to your point, Ashling, like we have to look at not just uh, the what, but the who. Yeah, there's going to be this, that, setbacks, that all of this stuff can happen. But at the end of the day in business, we're running a marathon, not a sprint. And I think we have to see it that way. That's absolutely right. You're, the people you're coaching are lucky, Jeff, because, because I think if you can give them that perspective, it's true. I found I have three children, um, and you know I'm so grateful for that. Um, but I found pregnancy was a really hard time because you, you're building your career. You're trying to get promoted. You're trying to get ahead. And yeah, you've got your own things to deal with, uh, fatigue or morning sickness, forget all of that. Most women take that on themselves and they don't bring that into the workplace or whatever. Um, I found the hard part was people assuming, men and women, assuming I wasn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. Assuming oh, yeah. you're five months pregnant, six months pregnant, um, probably shouldn't give this project to her right. um, because she won't be around. And I felt like it wasn't until my third child where people were kind of taking me seriously and going, all right we'll be lucky if she leaves for a few weeks, right? She's gonna, I mean, I'm just Where's the dola, right? Labor, right? <laughs> I found it with labor was a great contract negotiation technique. I was able to say, these are the terms I need. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Talk about a finite sense of urgency, right? You know, know. I, I would say this too. I mean, obviously I think we're more progressive and aware than we have been. Uh, we have a long way to go. There's no question about it. Do you still feel like your gender still plays a role in your day-to-day experience? And does it impact your current leadership and the day-to-day decision-making that you have to make at the level that you're at? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but, but in a good way, right? Um, I love being a woman. I wouldn't want to not be a woman, um, even when it just comes to business. Mm-hmm. I think being a woman allows me to add a lot of value. Mm-hmm. I've never been anything else. So I, it's always hard to decipher. And I think we all have to challenge ourselves. What is me versus me being a woman, et cetera. But, um, you know, I think there are absolutely characteristics that help. And I'll call out a few. Um, I always want to be careful because, yeah, you don't, I can't speak for every woman, right? And I yeah. and completely genericize things. Sure. And I've had men who have had characteristics that sometimes you deem as more consistent with women but um i find that women are massively can be massively pragmatic in making decisions i feel like i actually feel like this is going to get deep into things i'm more courageous i believe 
in business mm -hmm. because I'm a woman. Now, that's going to roll back to a huge sense of traditionalism that I have in that at some level, if you criticize me as a mother, I'm going to take that so much more deeply than, than if you criticize me in my work. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think it's innate. Mm -hmm. I actually, and so it allows me, it's almost freeing because it means I can actually throw myself passionately into my work. And I'm not ever, I'm not afraid of the consequences so much. I've always seen my work and it's funny, I know I'm C-suite and whatever, but I've always seen my work a little bit as it's just a fun upside. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great. I, I see with my husband, he doesn't feel the same. He, he's very committed to our family as well. And we always decided we would be, you know, peers at work and peers in our family. And we are. But I can always tell he has always felt more burden hmm. of decisions. Um, criticizing him at work, he would take it more deeply. Hmm. Um, and so as much as there's a glass ceiling, and I think there is the things we've talked about, sometimes I think there's a, you know, it's not so glass, there's a weight on men mm -hmm. in making decisions mm -hmm. in business because they grow up with this need to be successful. They grow a lot of pressure. up. Totally. Which if you go back to what I started and said, I think I, a lot of times I was successful because I didn't know I couldn't be. And yeah. I just had this sense of naivety that allowed me to just go out and try things. Um, I'm not sure that men have that. They feel pressure. Feel this pressure. is a great point because this brings up the other side of this discussion, which is the, the male part in this. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes that's why some men have a problem having a female boss? is because of how they were raised, how they grew up. This is a role reversal. Uh, I'm supposed to be in charge. Is some of that out there? And is that maybe why there's a little bit of friction, do you think? It, I'm sure there is some of that out there. You know, I, I obviously am not an expert, so I can't speak to that. Um, but I do think our upbringings mm -hmm. have a huge impact on us. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll go back to the comfort. Um, you know, sometimes if you're, if your boss is very different than you are, you don't quite know how to work best with them or how to please them or how to whatever. So there's, there can be friction that way. Um, I'm sure there's some traditionalism and some people just believe still that women aren't equal. I have to admit in the Valley, I feel like I've been very lucky, you know, in the early days in Sun, I got to work with James Gosling, who was basically the, you know, the godfather creator of Java. Mm -hmm. And, I remember in some of my earliest meetings, James would say, we need female engineers. And he said he needed them for their skills. It wasn't anything to do with numbers. It was because he felt like women as the more, I'll talk technical, the more we've seen the consumerization of technology and the more we've seen technology get adopted into households, which it is now, right? And so the last 20 years, we've seen it start to be in everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, the more he and others feel you needed to have women as part of that creation of these products. You needed them developing roadmaps. Um, so I think there is great people like that who can get over upbringing and get over what they thought and focus on what the journey needs to be and see the skills that are needed. I also, of course, think you have the opposite. And yes, I do think that there are some who probably, you know, look back to how they were brought up and expect it to just be like that. Yeah. And I, I again, back in full transparency and vulnerability, as I was coming up through leadership, um, it wasn't commonplace at the company that I was with to have a lot of female leaders. We just didn't have a lot of female leaders. 
However, there was some superstars coming up through the ranks that caught everybody's attention. And as a, as a new leader, I started asking myself, like, am I missing this? Uh, I was in an industry that was very male dominated. And, uh, you know, if I take this risk on hiring females, am I going rogue here? But as I started researching the business case around it, I, I went in as hard as I could in, in hiring that. And there's many, many studies out there that have come out reporting that companies with female leadership, specifically in the C-suite, are higher performing. They have more robust marketing teams, higher levels of publicity. Uh, here we are on a podcast, right? Greater, they have greater online presence, et cetera. It goes down the list. These are proof, this is proven data. So why do you think there aren't more women like you in the C-suite given the business case behind it? I, they're coming. I think <laughs> I think we're changing that. I really hope that, that we will see the change to that. Um, I, the why I think is going back to the what's comfortable and and there aren't enough role models and it's hard. So if you're a young girl starting out and you're not seeing people there, you know, it's 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 hard to know what you aspire to. Like I told you, I did one day at a time and a lot of mine was survival. I didn't have it didn't know of business women. And so, um, but it is definitely hard. You want to be able to look up to the people that are there. And I think that inhibits us. I think we need to to break down those boundaries and get more diversity into the C-suite and then that will continue to grow. Uh, the best teams are without a doubt the diverse teams. Um, you know, what I have found is as a female hiring, I tend to want to hire, to, to support the data from your survey. I tend to want to hire I think I hire better than most of my male peers and have done throughout my career. And one of the reasons is a very pragmatic one. I have a family and I cannot do everything myself at work. So when I'm hiring, I'm literally thinking, how do I hire people who are better than me? Because we'll all go up together. Yeah. But if we don't, I'm going to tank just my own. I can't do it. Yeah. I remember years ago, um, some wives of some of the guys who worked for me said, how do you do it with all the travel? And I kind of laughed to myself and I thought, you know, their husbands did a lot of the travel and their husbands would actually come in and say, I want to travel mm -hmm. in my job. Whereas I was like, that's great. <laughs> if, if you can go to Asia and I don't have to, you can go. So sure. in a strange way, me, you know, being a woman and wanting a balance in my life has allowed me to be better at my job. It has helped me to hire really well and not to be, you know, as a manager, we all have probably that sensitivity. Oh, is this person going to show me up? You know, is this person going to take over my job? Yeah. That is minute when you're thinking, I don't care. Right. <laughs> just, you know, I want this job done. I'm going to hire the best people possible. Yeah. I did it earlier in my career for survival and I learned um, if more people could think that way and realize that they, uh, they'll be better off by hiring great people, mm -hmm. then I think you're going to see more diversity up in the C-suite. Um, so true. Yeah. So true. And, and you know, I think even beyond skill set, personality. You know, if you're a, if you're a hard driver type leader, you might want to hire somebody that has a softer approach or see things a different way. Adversely, if you're not a driver, maybe you want that analytical mind that's going to help you with the spreadsheets and the pie charts and the graphs and all of these things. But to your point, that's just wisdom. Well, and I look at it as when you're hiring a team, I look at it as this really effective jigsaw puzzle that you're putting together. And so every time when I would hire my teams, I would go out and think, okay, if I have someone very strategic, a big thinker, you know, I need to balance them with someone who's very tactical. 
and can execute. And if I have someone extremely creative, I probably need someone who's operational and dots the I's and cross, crosses the T's, high energy, stable. And, and what I found was if I hire those people every single time throughout my career, and I've you know hired hundreds and hundreds of people at this point, um, the teams have worked out as balanced. There's diversity, just naturally sure. that happens when you try and challenge yourself to hire the best team. I often interview someone and I'll think, and, and we'll joke sometimes on my team and go, oh boy, that person is going to be a hard one to manage, but they're going to be worth it. Hmm. And so let's do that. Let's bring that person in. You know, I'll, I'll interview someone and go, they're going to challenge every ounce of me. <laughs> Those are usually the best performers, by the way. Right. And, and so it's a risk. Again, I do think I was willing to take, I was willing to have that perspective um, partially because I was pragmatic and I needed it partially as we talked about, because I wasn't as threatened. I didn't feel like my whole being was threatened if I wasn't successful and putting those things together has been really helpful to me to hire great teams, to empower great teams. I do think going forward. And when you say, how do we get, you know, more diversity in the C-suite, we have to actively do it. Mm -hmm. I'm in cybersecurity right now and it's a field that's just incredibly male dominated. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that starts right back early with, you know, what, what subjects people are studying in school, what, uh, what lifestyle, you know, what, what college programs they're doing, what lifestyle they're going after, et cetera. Women aren't pursuing this track as much as they should be because there's just a tremendous need for women um, and for all different types of diversity, to be honest, in the cybersecurity space. Hmm. Uh, we're in a crowdsourced space, and uh, which means that I have ethical hackers who um, attack uh, for good, um, you know, digital properties to try and find vulnerabilities, tr find things before the bad guys get there. Wow. The beauty of this is that people can do it from where they are. So I've got, you know, people who live in the Midwest and get to sit and look out at their like right now we're all doing it from where we are, but traditionally, sure. you know, and we say Kim, we were built for this because traditionally, I mean, we have these amazingly talented ethical hackers who can live a great lifestyle mm -hmm. because of their skills and they can be working on a project that's, you know, a bank in Europe and they're looking at, you know, trying to find vulnerabilities in those devices or working on a project with the DOD in Washington, D.C., but they don't have to move from where they are. They can be in Hawaii. They, you know, I've got um, guys who are surfing in, in Bali by, by day and doing this at night. The bottom line is, though, what a great family balance career. Yeah. And I want to touch on that. That's a good segue. But before we go into that, because I think this is huge, is that work-life balance. But I want to close the subject on the hiring. So keeping, okay. your, keeping your hiring manager hat on, whenever you're looking to bring people onto your team, do you take gender and diversity into consideration or do you hire solely on merit? How do you find the balance there? I hire on merit. But like I said, because I hire a jigsaw puzzle, the diversity comes with it. And I know and trust myself at this point um, to hire on merit in that I will end up yeah. with a team. Um, you know, if someone doesn't have that gut and that perspective, I think they have to, to challenge themselves at first to numbers or to diversity. And then eventually they'll start to see the value of those teams. Um, so yeah, if you're I, talking to that company out there that they're maybe they're going down that track right now that they see the value in this and they've launched the campaign, the leadership team has heard like there's value in this. We have to do this. 
and this is new to that organization. And I'm going to open up a big can of worms here. I'd love your perspective on it. But yeah. I've heard this, and I'm not saying I, I advocate for it, but I have absolutely heard male leaders or males that missed opportunities give the adage of, she only got the job because we need more female leaders. This puts a lot of pressure on that new female leader, and yeah. it affects culture. What are you saying to that organization that is adopting these principles, and how can they better foster the benefits of this to eliminate that kind of thinking? Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's massively undermining for women. I agree. People think that way. And obviously, it's something I hate um, because I do think people go, are you there just because you're a woman? It's terrible. Um, which is, yeah, yes, it's awful. And the answer is, hell no. Did you know everything I had to do to get to exactly. this point? It's crazy. Um, you know, so again, I challenge business leaders to really think through what's going to grow your business. And I, if you really go into a deep conversation on the skills that are needed, you're going to end up realizing that you need that diversity of skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, conference rooms, boardrooms should be having those conversations, not the conversations about what percentages we have. And I, I get those, the, the percentage conversations have to happen as well to keep everyone honest. I get that. But it almost doesn't have to go there if you can have the conversation about what's going to be best for our business. How are we going to have that right balance of EQ? I don't think women have a lock on EQ. I think there's some men who have great EQ. But my bet is if we analyze people across the board, you're going to find higher emotional quotient with women than you are with men. Absolutely. So how do you make sure? I mean, I think for a while, Silicon Valley, and they're trying to correct it, but it's gotten a problem almost because we had so many IQs and EQ was low mm -hmm. and you can develop yourself into a corner right with that. And so companies in Silicon Valley are trying to change that, not just because of numbers and they do measure to numbers, et cetera, but they're trying to actually change that to be able to get the thinking, get the creativity, get the emotional quotient to manage and lead teams mm -hmm. uh, to, to bring that, that mindset in. So that's where I think people should be. I, a lot of recruiters call me and, and they'll always say, well, this company was hoping to hire a female executive. And I'm oh, like, oh, no, <laughs> no. What, um, and I'll always go, uh, you know, what kind of a human are they looking for beyond gender? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, You're like, I'm qualified for that then, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Let's, let's talk to, and, and I will, you know, push to see what characteristics. So I think every one of us who is in the C-suite has the burden of changing things. We have the burden of changing the conversation. We have the burden of uh, challenging ourselves, looking for what's going to help drive our business most effectively. And I think if you're honest with yourself and you do that, courageously do it, do it, you know, at the core, strip things apart and do it, you're going to find, you're going to hire women. Yeah. Just right. are. Because they're, they're great candidates. Just great, right? Women are fantastic. Like I have amazing women on my team today mm -hmm. and not one of them is there because they're a woman. Yeah. They're there because they are good. absolutely good at what they do. I've right. got great guys too. And I got to tell you, I have a team right now, young, um, because we, we are a startup and you know, you dig in, you roll up your sleeves and, and I will hire raw talent with passion and intelligence and I will teach the rest. That's how I feel about it. I agree. It's a youngish team. Um, I've, the teamwork is unbelievable. 
I've never in the five years that I've been growing this team, never had one of them backstab each other, never had one of them come in and undermine. They are, they don't see Mm -hmm. the boundaries. They don't, they don't categorize each other. Mm -hmm. I feel like they pinch hit for each other beautifully. Um, I would say this is the, the best I've seen that I've had great teams in the past. That's great. Um, I hope they're listening to hear that. <laughs> but, and I'm hoping that this is a trend. Like I'm hoping yeah. that something that others are seeing, um, because, and I, you know, it's a shout out to the, to, to the, the, the Gen Z's and the and millennials yeah. down on them a lot, but the teamwork is phenomenal. The creativity. Lo- I love it. They push it. It's phenomenal. I love it. I mean, it gets back to the hire the who train the what, right? Like you can, I mean, obviously you need some technical skill, but that can be taught. You can't teach some things. Hire, hire the who, teach the what. You know, yeah. as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking of my first experience with a female leader. And I, did, I didn't know what to think. And it wasn't, I didn't have a bias uh, with females. I just never had a female leader. So I wasn't really sure w- what to do or what to think. I wanted to be sensitive to you know, her getting the promotion, all of these different things. It was new territory for me. And I felt like I ended up in a dynamic where we were both overcompensating. I was trying to be overly sensitive and I felt she was overly dominating. And, you know, I'm coming in and I might be the woman, but I'm going to let everybody know I'm in charge. And I was like, Hey, I'm the guy, but I like, uh, I like the idea of having a female boss. And it just, it just got all, twisted sideways what what advice do you give to men addressing this issue and what advice do you give to women that are maybe going into leadership for the first time now some may not be bothered with it at all but from your perspective what advice do you give them going into that dynamic for the first time yeah i mean i think the the dynamic that you you have called out and i admire you for doing it by the way i think it's always hard to look back and acknowledge that you know, you and she both struggled a little bit and were overcompensating. I think that's very normal. Um, and I, I guess, again, I, I say uh, to both sides, don't enter it as a female and a male, enter it as humans. That was my problem. Because society puts this baggage on us mm-hmm. and, and it sets up preset ideas. And what I found is if you can just pull those away and enter it as humans and be vulnerable. I do think you brought up the word vulnerability. I've actually chosen to be vulnerable in my career. Now, I do think the more senior I got, the more willing to be vulnerable I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in the early days, like I said, I didn't necessarily want to put pictures of the kids all over my desk because I thought at the time people would say, oh, she's clearly not into that. They did feel like I would have been judged for that. Mm-hmm. Now I, you know, will openly talk about, um, challenges or kids or whatever just because i think we have a burden to do so to let the next generation know it's not always going to be easy and not everything you know is going to go smoothly but you you need but it's it's great it works out great and you can do it and so i guess to me leaders whether you're male or female you need to set an environment of humanity and and the person going in needs to obviously you're in a corporate world and you need to button certain stuff up and you need to be politically correct and all of those things but you can also bring your own humanity to it and and let that person see because the the like you're saying that the walls we put around ourselves are actually the problem 
And we create them most times. We really do. Now, now again, we are different. Sure. And that's, just, that's the beauty of it. Right. And so if you can only get to that point, um, but it is, it's, it's, uh, it's hard and we're not there yet. Yeah. Get there yet. Um, but think about the human, think about yourself and, and think about how you would feel in those shoes. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of women who did feel very discriminated against and when they get in a position of power, they sometimes do feel like they're going to be judged. Um, as an employee, if you find yourself with a female boss, make sure that, you know, you take down your bag, your, your baggages first. Like, and then every, I think as long as one ta- becomes vulnerable, two can become vulnerable, right? Yeah. Uh, it, as in any situation with peace or with anything else, someone has to have the olive branch. Someone yeah. has to be, and I think that can come from either direction. Yeah, I think it's unhealthy to try to overcompensate on either way. You know, if you if you got the role, you earned the right to be there. Uh, and and look, if that's who the boss is, then accept them for who they are and what they're doing, not this preconceived notion of what it might look like. So go into it based off of the merit that got you there. Now I do want to come back because you you uh, you you started talking about a point of work-life balance, which I think is huge on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be the last question as we wrap up the show today. But um, so you're a chief growth and business officer at Synac, a mother, a wife, et cetera. Uh, work-life balance is important. And I know when I began to see the value in hiring female candidates, I was on a quest to learn more about what was important in their career. And I found that greater than 60% of women say that work-life balance and personal well-being are at the top of their list when choosing employment. That's yeah. an, um, a staggering statistic. So two things. One, how do you achieve that balance? And two, what would you say to senior leaders of companies that still have outdated and stale policies that don't accommodate this dynamic better? Right. Okay, so uh, this... Jeff, this was always a huge issue for me because as I said, from the very beginning, I knew I wasn't going to compromise my home life to a great extent. Like for me, that was the thing I understood coming from Ireland and whatever. Home life was what was was innate. Um, But I also wanted to be very successful at whatever I did. And those things were a little bit at odds. Now I've always put work-life balance on top. Some people would laugh because I work a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I've had questions in growing up in my career where people would go, there's no way you can have a home life, right? There's no, like someone had said to me, I remember, I've heard you have kids. There's just no way. I mean, you're always here. <laughs> that same day, someone, uh, believe it or not, I was reading at the library at my kid's school and someone said, do you really work? Because it seems like you do a lot. So exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm someone who doesn't need to sleep a lot. <laughs> that has helped <laughs> with work-life balance. Um, I literally, I mean, I in my career, I worked until six. I went home, I spent three to four great hours with the kids. And then I got back on and I worked till one o'clock every morning. For some people that might not have been balanced. Mm -hmm. For me, it was my choice. So I guess my first answer to you is choose it. Yeah. Choose what your balance is. Don't let someone else choose that for you. You know, have conviction to it. Like I do remember literally deciding in the early days, what were the most important things to me? And for me, it was going to be, I didn't want to miss dinner. 
So I couldn't pick jobs where there was a huge amount of travel. I didn't mind some, but I didn't, couldn't go into sales. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wasn't going to be willing to do that. I wanted to have family evening every, at the majority of evenings. I didn't want to miss bath times and stuff like that. I really wanted to be present. Um, I undoubtedly said no to a lot of jobs. And I do think this is a challenge for women. I said no to promotions to, in order to maintain my home balance. Good for you. Yeah, but I have to say, Jeff, that was a really big learning for me. So a couple of times I, I said no, and it turned out it was a mistake. Hmm. The reason it was a mistake was I ended up with a manager who was actually more disrespectful. So the person that got hired to the position, I said uh. no. And I think it was a threatening. If you go back, that person knew I had said no. They get put in that position. So there's a little bit of a threat straight away. And they were more disrespectful to my needs, to my balance, than if I had had to be in the spot and could have respected my own balance and done the job. I sure. don't know if I said that all correctly. So in fact, one thing I want to say to women is don't necessarily assume that being more junior allows you to have more work-life balance. In mm. fact, if you see, if you look, you tend to get more flexibility in how you run your career, the more senior you are. I think one of the challenges a lot of women has is they have is they don't get there. They cut themselves out early thinking they can't handle it. I know I did. And I hold, I have a, a group called Courageous Women in Security and, I, and I've asked them and a lot of women you'd be surprised will say, yes, they put up their hand. I said no to a promotion. And most of them will regret it because they ended up working for someone who was not as good and strong as they were, hmm. male or female, it didn't matter. So don't make that assumption that you can't be senior and have work-life balance. In it, you can work very hard as a senior person, but you often have more of the dials. You control more. Mm -hmm. So firstly, take that and then know when to say no. You know, no, and it, it's not easy. I mean, I, again, I haven't said no a lot. I get the job done, but I will say, no, I'm not going to do it now. I'll have it done by the morning or, you know, things like that when you're growing in your career. Very important to own and very important not to have regrets. Don't let it happen. Mm -hmm. Don't get 10 years in and go, I wish I had done this. I should have had kids. I should have. You've got to own that. Yeah. Man, that's now, great. I, that's great life advice. Yeah. I mean, I've always looked to, and it's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. I think I lost out on some of the, the mom's social life that when the kids were little, you know, when others might've had the luxury of all going to do a workout class together, I got to go to a meeting. Um, and, but mentally, I had to make myself realize that was my choice. Sure. And that meeting was my mental workout. Yeah. I <laughs> so mean, I by no means are we here saying that uh, if you're a woman or a man, for that matter, this is what you should do. We're right. saying like, hey, look, uh, my wife was a stay-at-home mom and she, she rocked it, was great and loved it. And that was great for us. But now she got the entrepreneurial itch. She's out there ready to go. You can do both. And there's, there's ways to do it. And I think hearing from somebody like you is going to encourage a lot of people. Now, the second part of my question was to speak to those companies or those senior leaders now that are still uh, in that stale old policy environment. What are they missing out on by not being more flexible to female candidates, which by the way, 60% or better say this is important to them? You know, they're going to die. Those guys are just going mean, to, you know, hopefully they're just uh, running their old worlds into the ground and, and they're crazy. missing out on, yeah, it, it's crazy. And some of them you won't ever change. But truthfully, they're just missing out on greatness, yeah. from my opinion. They're just missing out on 
people who could enrich their companies, make them more successful, make lives better, make the working environment more interesting and more fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think most people in, at my company see that my team is the most, is very cohesive and, and uh, great people who have a great time and love being at the office. If you're not going to bring in the right people, then you're probably not going to have a great environment and you're going to, it's going to, you're going to stop attracting great people. Yeah. Um, so I say, you know, open, open up or get antiquated and it, die. It's, yeah, <laughs> I think it was Steve Jobs that might have said, hire the right people and get out of their way, right? I mean, we've got to get to that place. And this is a this is a great great time for an elevator pitch from what you all are doing because I mean you all have that model that is conducive to balance but yet engagement. So maybe give give the listener that that elevator pitch of what you all are currently doing. Right. Well, as I told you, we are doing uh, crowdsource security. So we crowdsource um, ethical hackers. They can be anywhere working from home and uh, they work remotely and they get to uh, find vulnerabilities in uh, digital assets that belong to the government, belong to many of the great enterprises out there. So it's extremely fun, exhilarating, and rewarding monetarily uh, in other ways work. Dominantly, it is males that become ethical hackers. Hmm. And to me, it's a perfect job for work-life balance. You know, I do, there's, a, there's one guy who's fantastic. He's one of our best hackers and he lives in the Midwest and he has a child that uh, has a lot of extra needs and he gets to spend his days working with this child, helping him. And then he does a lot of his hacking at night. And so there are jobs out there that we think of as traditionally male and they are perfect jobs for women. And so, you know, you challenge girls, yeah. young girls who are getting into going through the stages of thinking about what they want to do. Think about these jobs that may seem like they have a bigger barrier to entry, that it's harder to crack through. And you might not see as many people that you can look up to as people that look like you, your demographic or whatever ahead of you. Don't be deterred by that. Again, as much as I think when we're hiring, we have to peel back the covers and look at the human and look at the skills. I think when we're looking at jobs, we have to also do that and not just judge by the past or what someone says is a good job for a woman. Figure it out yourself and find where can you have that balance, right? So good. Because as I said, you've got to own it. You have to, don't, don't dare have regrets in this world. Own every piece of what you do. Um, own the network. Like I have to say, I found great women in my jobs is when I was a director at Sun, I had a woman, Elisa Steele, who she and I became like our, each other's board of directors, personal board of directors. Love to that. Help each other through. She is now chairman of a number of boards. She's a very successful uh, female. And, and just, she was so empowering to me when we were peers, you know, she was just right there to say, you're great, find someone. Who is that? It doesn't have to be a woman, but find that person who can prop you up. Yeah. Make your own community, make your network. And then I want to say to Jeff, one thing to two men, um, and, and it's maybe a little surprising because I think any of the men I work, I work with great men. And, and I think they're all um, uh, dads and husbands and, and mm -hmm. all men who now, because you select, by the, when you get more senior, you select what you want to do, right? We're lucky enough. You know, sorry, I, if I say, you asked me earlier, did I ever expect 
mm -hmm. and plan for the career that I have, et cetera? And the answer is no, I never right. knew this was possible. Um, I never knew I would have so many options. You know, that yeah. 17 year old who came from Ireland, I never thought I'd have so many options. Um, so I've gotten to select the people I want to work with. And I work with great men who are, father, who are fathers and who are husbands, um, and they are by no means sexist. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't think they realize that every time we're in a room, I am the only woman. Hmm. And so you're married, right? You said you were married? Yeah. Have you, or and do you have a daughter? I do. Have you ever been in, gone in, walked in, and all there's all girls at home, whether they're getting, whether they're doing their toes or they're having a, you know, book club or whatever. And sure it's all, have. and you love it, right? And then after you probably feel a little uncomfortable. Out of place. A little out of place. And so, I think it's really important for men to realize that when, as we change things and as we get more women into C-level positions, even me, you feel a little out of place mm -hmm. sometimes. And even with the best men, sure, aren't sexist, I think, and it's a topic that we've heard a lot recently in other areas, but oh, you've yeah. got to go a little further than just not being sexist. Man, that's good. You have to open and listen and hear what hear that perspective because sometimes it's a little harder for that woman to speak up not only because maybe some of the female characteristics hold hold them back a little but sometimes it's because they they're the only person in the they're they're different yeah and so make time make space yeah and really listen because it's just even in the social dialogue in the boardroom you know sometimes that social dialogue tends to be just always in one direction and even the greatest of men um don't realize that challenge themselves to ask questions a little differently. And that doesn't mean going, how's the daycare or how, you know, did you get your nails done? Right. It's asking, it's asking business questions. Man, that's and profound. That's asking, so good. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you know, not being sexist, like let's not, let's not applaud that. Right. Like that should be a general standard. Let's go beyond that men and uh and leaders in general and 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 work on this let's be intentional about this there there's a business case even if you don't morally care there's a business case around it but let's see it for what it is and and ashling you're a great example of somebody that has pushed through a lot of that even at a time when it was even less ideal than it is today so i value that well listen i i really appreciate you being on ashling if people wanted to learn more about you and what you're doing at your organization, how can they find you? Well, obviously, uh, Synac, yeah, find us on LinkedIn, find us at synac.com. Um, it's, a, it's a fabulous company, a great team, and we, I hope, are actually making a difference in the world in that we are hopefully making the world more secure. You know, we're changing the dynamics within the security testing space and bringing just a diversity and scale that you wouldn't get in a traditional model. So everything we've talked about is, is kind of pertinent in the security world that I'm in. Attacks, you know, the bad guys and the bad people are very diverse. They're coming from all over. And so you can't protect your network, you can't protect your assets, your digital assets, your websites, your applications, et cetera, if you are just going to use the two guys down the road that you've been using for 20 years. Y'all are you like the cyber Superman. Totally, you have to open up, and you know we have. It's we can tell like the demographics sometimes of of a hacker by how they hack. They think so differently, and it's so you know a twenty year old, an eighteen year old can find something that's so invaluable. It's crazy. 
a woman is going to hack differently and find something that's different and you need that. So people who are interested, if you want to become an ethical hacker, check out at synac.com. We have what we call our red team, all of that information there. If you're, you know, uh, so you uh, guys are hiring. Uh, we are hiring. Absolutely. There you go. Our Listen or look. No more, uh, no more crying about unemployment. You heard it here first. Oh, uh, no, everything. We are hiring. We're growing. And also, if you're a woman, we do do, uh, I do a Courageous Women in Security initiative. Look out for those. If you're a female in security, um, not in security, in the security industry, um, uh, because I think it's really important that we support each other. In I agree. Some honest conversation there. When we get that group of 50 or 60 women together in different regions. Powerful. Oh, they're and powerful and supportive. Well, right? thank you for your leadership, uh, not only within your industry, but uh, even being an advocate of uh, other females and the mentoring that you do. And so we really value you taking time to be on today. And listeners, I really, as always, I appreciate you joining today as well. And we're going to have the notes for this show as well as how you can contact Ashling available to you in the show notes. Make sure that you sign up and have the weekly show notes emailed to you. You can register for those at thechampionforum.com forward slash show notes. And until next time, everybody, you got to remember, you've been set up to be a champion in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.